Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. This is Lisa Anderson and a little preview of what is coming up later for our inbox. We have a listener who is finding themselves experiencing full-blown panic attacks and is wondering, how do I make it stop? They seem to crop up based on different situations in their life. And so Counselor Tim Sanford is going to weigh in on that with some hope. And then for our culture segment, Sam Black from Covenant Eyes is here to discuss how the church is meant to be part of your journey out of pornography addiction. And he has actually written The Healing Church for that purpose. And so this is a great way to figure out uh, how to get into a body of believers that really will support you in that. So stay tuned. All right, for our roundtable, we have got John Braden and Kristen here. Hey, y'all. Hello. Good to have you. Um, We thought we would have a conversation. I don't know. This might be discouraging for some. We're going to see how we do. I mean, we're in the middle of August at this point, so you all know how much I love summer, and I just get discouraged that it flies by, but we're going to add more discouragement on top of this by talking about if we've wasted (laughs) our summers thus far or if we felt like we've spent them well. So... This could be an encouraging conversation. I don't know. I feel like there's always room for growth in this. And so we're going to kick it off um, because we have some different experiences, I think, represented here at the table. So what I want to start out with is just like generally what have been some of the highlights of your summers and did this summer play out differently than other ones have maybe in the past? Mine's been kind of unique in that I've been traveling back to visit family on the East Coast way more than normal. So that's kind of been the one thing that I would say has been different thus far. And it's honestly been for different events. My grandfather passed away back in May, so I went to his funeral. I actually got to speak at his funeral, which was one of the biggest honors of my life. And then June, I went to a wedding in Kentucky, which I hadn't spent much time in before. And then I had shared previously that I was taking my grandmother to her first NASCAR race. That did happen in early July. So that's pretty great. <laughs> so really all, all for different reasons. Although but... I feel like there were selfish motivations with that, John, because I know you love NASCAR. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, Grandma, have I got an activity for you? Okay, yes. here we go. She nice. wanted to go, though. She okay. did want to go. She was open to it. She watches every weekend. Oh, my goodness. Excellent. Okay. Braden, how about you? Yeah, I feel like every summer I really look forward to our family camping trips. We go out to two different lakes in northeast Colorado. Um, So those are just really sweet times catching up with some of my cousins and my aunts and uncles and extended family and just get to do some boating and things like that that we love. So um, yeah, we do that twice a summer. So that's always something I look forward to. And um, this year I went on a last minute uh, donor trip um, for work to Yosemite. So I actually missed one of those camping trips with family, but um, it was kind of a a surprise treat. So, um, but just little things like that. And then hanging out with, with some of my friends and just, just little things with them. Well, even like celebrating with extended family, that's something I didn't do much growing up because my family moved out to California away from my extended family. And so we ended up not doing a lot of that. So that is pretty unique. That's an awesome opportunity to do that. So All right, Kristen. Yeah, growing up, we always spent our summers visiting family. So Mm -hmm. that was always what our vacations were. Um, So it's been fun moving out here to have more like real vacations where I'm not going to do something. I'm just going to have fun. (laughs) So I took several trips this summer. I actually looked back on my calendar and in three months, I was in my home five weekends. So that was just too much, (laughs) too much. And that's abnormal, but um, really fun. Went to Utah and Texas and Europe and Mexico and ura and big lots of trips it was really fun but so would you say are you saying that's unusual kind of like that wouldn't be a normal summer of going on that many (laughs) going on that many trips no definitely not i was very grateful i didn't leave the state in in july at all (laughs) it's like i I am not leaving yeah Yeah. so yeah okay it was busy yeah that's fascinating i mean i would say i felt like my summer um You know, and I'm always like telling myself, I'm going to like grab it by the horns and be all Mm -hmm. intentional. And then it just gets away from me. And so I way overcommitted in July. I'm going to be honest with that. And so my July, I'm just mad about. I'm still mad about it. (laughs) Um, So I think I had something 
almost every night of the week, every day in July, um, because I had just committed to some things that I thought were like super temporary, and they were, but when something's like five or six weeks long, that takes up a chunk of time, okay? It seems temporary, (laughs) but it wasn't, so I was frustrated with that. So to that point, and kind of, Christian, what you were saying, then I would follow up with a question of what might you have changed about this summer, if you could, like thinking through, are there any things that you would go back and say, yeah, I would probably do that differently. Or as I think about next summer, how do I want to maybe chart it a little bit differently? I want to stay in the state (laughs) (laughs) a little bit more and explore because Colorado is beautiful. And I honestly haven't been around as much um, as I wish that I had. And then one of my neighbors and close friends from high school hosts all the time. And so I use that as an excuse to not host. I'm like, oh, she's got it covered. Um, but next year, I want to be more intentional about having people over for bonfires or movies or whatever. So mm-hmm. those are two things for me. Yeah, which also can get to be kind of a lot, too, especially mm-hmm. if you're hosting. So watch out. <laughs> yeah, just like once a month, you know, start oh, small. okay, start small. That's good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for me, I would say just kind of spacing some things out a little bit better. Like you guys were just saying, um, I think the last month for me has just been crazy and it's been hard to kind of settle down and relax a little bit. So I think that's something I would change. And then also I have had the dream of starting to fly fish for a while and another summer of not doing that. So (laughs) just finding ways to not let goals like that um, get out of my hand and slip away. But yeah, so I think that's something that I'm definitely going to change next summer Um, because really the motive behind it is just having intentional time up in the mountains and um, exploring more of Colorado, like Kristen was saying. So, yeah. Yeah, mine is kind of similar to Kristen and wanting to stay in the state more and to your point too, Brayden. But I knew coming into this summer before it really kicked off that I would have to give myself a lot of grace because on top of the other things that I have done, I've been to two other weddings. So I've been to three total already and I'm in one in early September. So I knew it was going to be a lot of back and forth traveling. So I've not spent quite as much time in the state as I've wanted to. I've mentioned on this podcast before that I really enjoy doing 14ers. So far I've done one. By this time in 2020, I think I had done maybe about half a dozen, but part of that was because of circumstances because we had so much rain in June, which meant snow for the mountains. <laughs> so it's not been but just a couple weeks that we've actually had capacity to even go hike them. But um, I'd like to do more big mountains before this one's out. Yeah. I'd like to hear about you doing a 14er in terrible weather conditions, John. I think you need to add that to your bucket list. Yeah. So, I have done just, it a couple yeah. times. Oh, you have. Okay. It's just happened. Okay. Already yeah. checked it off. <laughs> there was, yeah. I have been on top of a big mountain when a thunderstorm was coming in. Okay. It's one of the most intense things I've ever done so far. Yeah. Would that's not why recommend you, it. Usually when you do them, you need to start <laughs> at like 4 a.m. or whatever right. and make that make that happen. So, okay. Yeah. I think as I'm thinking back, uh, in addition to my horrible July of overcommitment, I think too, um, part of that was I didn't, like, I noticed that because I was overcommitted, I wasn't really staying up on just life tasks, um, which also then super stressed me out. So then I tried to get a couple of things accomplished. So like, for example, um, tonight I'm having you guys, the Boundless team over to my house for dinner, but because I recently bought some furniture, I haven't sold my old furniture. And so my house is just a, like a furniture store (laughs) and there's just random pieces of furniture sitting around. So we will now be banished to the basement and outside because we can't really maneuver around the main portion of my house. So. Any of you who are coming through Colorado Springs and need a couch or possibly a rug and an armoire, just hit me up because I got those. I'll find other things for you as well around my house. Even stuff that I have that I'm using. I'm just ready to sell it, y'all. I'm over all this furniture. So moving on. Okay, here we go. Let's talk about time wasters, okay, in addition to trying to sell furniture. What What is just gobbling up your time in the summer that you wish wouldn't do that? Or that you look back and you're like, this isn't even a summer thing. Why am I so sucked into this? Or what's happening? Like why, you know, we, I think we all, don't we all just think like, if I could, I would eat outside or I would just be camping and just spending so much time outdoors. And then all of a sudden it's like, why am I doing these lame 
slash frivolous things, whatever. But what are yours? This is like true confessions right here. Kristen, I'm looking at you. So you're starting. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, I think that the summertime, because the days are longer, it just feels like I have more time and I'll fill all of the moments. And then kind of like you were saying, I'll get behind on real life things. So in my ideal summer, I would go camping every weekend, right? That's not going to happen. Um, but then especially when I get behind in life, I'm like, okay, well, then Saturday mornings are the only time that I have to get things done. So sometimes it doesn't necessarily feel like I'm wasting my time. I'm just not being super wise with how I'm spending it. And I don't necessarily regret it, <laughs> which is maybe a problem, but um, just staying up late and hanging out with friends and um, doing fun activities. But then I do get kind of behind on real life responsibilities and then that holds you back. So yeah, I would, I would somewhat agree with that in the sense of and then also agree with what you said earlier of I just say yes to too many things sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And even just throughout the, the weekdays, um, just over committing and instead of actually mapping out my calendar and things like that. So which are all good things, spending time with friends and intentional time, but um, maybe cutting out a few of those that um, just take up all the time and you have no opportunity to get some of those life things done that you need to still be on top of. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I really wanted you to say, I'm just spending too much time in God's word. So I could like <laughs> yeah. Jesus duke you or yes. something. I don't know. I thought that'd be awesome. Yeah. What about you, John? I'm still working on trying to iron out my sleep schedule more consistently, which hasn't been that easy going to and from the East Coast because there is that two hour time difference. Yeah. It's very easy when I go East to sleep in till 10 because that's eight o'clock over here. Mm-hmm. But this actually has, I'd say this summer's actually been in some ways better than some because I've been way more intentional about turning my phone off when I get home mm. and literally turning it off. I, I remember just in times past when there would be evenings, this happened for years when I'd get home from work and the first thing I would do is turn on music and Man, I love, love music. Anybody who knows me knows I love going to concerts. Music really just helps me unplug. But it got to a point where I would just spend hours on Apple Music and not even talk to anybody. So I definitely have been better about having my phone off in the evenings, which has helped my summer be more productive. Hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about that because sometimes I like to text you and give you a new task to do or something I need from you. Oh, really? (laughs) So... We'll talk about that offline. I don't know. I haven't like, seen Where is yet. John? I thought I was, you know, I wanted him to do something or whatever. I need you to be available at 1030 p.m. No, I'm just kidding. But not really. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I think for me, and this is like so lame because I get super judgy about this. And then it's like, oh, actually, Lisa, this is you. Um, got into a new TV series this summer mm-hmm. that... Okay, binge watching, which is crazy because I one thing I love about summer is having the long days. Mm-hmm. So if I could, For I would sure. be up at sunrise and I would stay up. I'm always trying to maximize the time. And then here I am getting all preachy about that. But then it's like, hey, why don't I just sit in the dark for like three hours every evening and watch this show? So that's just ridiculous. And so I actually told my housemate, I'm like, we need to not do that. This next season, we're not even getting into it until fall (laughs) so we'll see maybe next month i'll give it a whirl so i think that would be my big thing all right any other things uh coming up that you guys are looking forward to what are they and what like also well let's talk first of all like any additional summer things because we do have a couple weeks left actually i'm saying a couple weeks but summer doesn't end at the end of august y'all this is another thing that drives me nuts is when people are like pumpkin spice lattes and whatever. Stop it. <laughs> we have until September 21st. If anyone pulls out a pumpkin spice latte in my presence, I will cut you. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just yes. giving that warning right now in the love of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But um, what else is happening in your summer? And then think in the back of your head, because I want to ask you after this, how are we then going to transition into fall? What's that going to look like? But mm-hmm. anything else still coming up? Yeah, concert, uh, camping trip, and then my brother's moving out here to Denver um, at the end of August. So we're going to go backpacking, hopefully, and I'm going to make him just do all of the outdoor things with me. Nice. Yeah, that's my plan. That's good. And it sounds like it's still packed. You're still not going to be weekends at home. Yeah. (laughs) But July was my is my rest month. You know, that was that was my time to pause. Okay, that's good. (laughs) 
I paused for 12 minutes right. in July. That's great. Okay. Uh, future plans for the rest of this summer. I have two camping trips planned. One is a backpacking trip with a couple friends from high school and our dads. So really looking forward to that. That'll be a sweet time. And then another um, just camping trip, probably up Mount Princeton or whatever, um, just with some friends for like a weekend. So yeah, so it'll be busy still, but um, it'll be good times to just slow down and um, be in God's creation. So mm-hmm. yeah. very cool. Princeton is fun, by the way. I did yeah. that a couple of weeks ago. So just be Sweet. a little careful when you get to the top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but For me, I'm going hiking with my brother this weekend. We're planning to do a big mountain. It's one that I've actually done before, but he's never done it and really wants to. And early September, one of my best friends is getting married, somebody I actually was a roommate with in South Carolina for a little while, and I'm a groomsman in his wedding, so Mm. I just recently got fitted for my suit, so I'm pretty excited about this one. I I intend to throw down on the dance floor this time. I used to be really, I used to be (laughs) really shy when I would, yeah, sensing this coming. Maybe so. Hopefully not TikTok, (laughs) but (laughs) um, but. we're gonna we're gonna find it and we're gonna put it on all of Boundless Social. Oh man, maybe I won't throw down on the dance floor. But no, I used to be super shy about going to the dance floor at wedding receptions but no that my dad's actually my dad will be 60 in december and he has more energy than most 20 something year olds he's in phenomenal shape but he can throw down on a dance floor and so he's inspired me to step up my game so okay i i can as long as you don't actually have to do real dances like i'm very good at like just random hip-hop beats and Mm -hmm. i'm not gonna put that on social let's just be honest but um cupid shuffle yeah i've oh yeah i can do that there are a couple line dances that i've learned on various weddings or cruise ships um that i can do but beyond that yeah i cannot i i'm not into ballroom or anything where you actually have to look legitimate doing something um so that's just my little point right there yeah the rest of my summer i get to tell on myself i signed up with a group of um younger friends the girls in my small group for a mud girl run um that i have trained exactly negative 14 minutes for um, this entire (laughs) summer so this is gonna go very badly um, I probably should take some video of that. This is going to be bad. I'm already like enlisting people in our group. Like, stuff. are you actually going to run it or do you want to just walk it? I mean, do we? how do we feel about this? Because, you know, obstacles and stuff. It's just going to be bad, you guys. It's going to be very bad. But I'm going to do it because, you know what? I commit to things. So I'm going to make it happen. Good for you. Um, and then actually some friends and I are going to Florida, which will just roast because it'll be a billion degrees and super humid. But we're here for it. So that'll be fun. All right. Restarts for fall. What does this look like for you guys? What are you looking forward to? How will things shift for you as you head into the next season? Yeah, I think for early fall, I'll definitely be looking at doing some more hiking while the mountains still don't have a lot of snow on them. Just because in late September, early October, we get into the peak of what's called Aspen season Mm -hmm. out here. And it's honestly one of my favorite times in Colorado. For those of you who haven't seen it, the Aspen trees, their leaves tend to turn really yellow at that time. And so it is so, so pretty. So I definitely think making the most of the summer while it's still going on is a big thing for me, but also recognizing, hey, when the weather gets colder, there's going to be advantages then that I can enjoy that I can't enjoy now. So, Mm -hmm. but like you said, I may wait till after September 21st to get a pumpkin spice latte. (laughs) So I I better not get one before then. Did did you see my mountain necklace, by the way, I'm wearing today? No, I didn't. I know. This is for all people that do 14ers. I've done twice in my whole life. I'll tell you where I got it, John. Maybe they have a male version. Okay. Um, (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) you don't know what there might be. So, all right. What about you two? Um, well, I love summertime, but weather-wise, it's really not my favorite. I don't do super well in the heat. And so I'm looking forward to the fall time because then I can more comfortably spend time outside. So more hiking and um, hammocking and just reading outside, just sitting outside. Even when I get home, that'll be super, super great. Um, I don't know the transition, though. I'll just bring my sweaters back out. I don't know. <laughs> it's not too deep for me. That's good. <laughs> Um, I'm super excited for football season. Um, mm-hmm. getting 
NFL games going again. So that's always something I love to look forward to doing with uh, my Who's roommates. Who's your team? This is your opportunity to give them some love. S- the Broncos, sadly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Local, but you know, well, yeah, they need yeah. your help. They yeah. need yeah. your rooting for them. Uh, I, was, I was trying to help yeah. last year, but fasting <laughs> well, wasn't helping. <laughs> yeah. Fasting for them. Yeah. Good time to practice your spiritual discipline. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, totally. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be a better year this year, but um, okay. I was, that's always something I look forward to just spending time with friends watching games on Sundays Um, but more importantly I just love fall the -hmm. leaves are starting to change and you just see so much of God's beauty within it and um, it's starting to get a little cooler and it's just yeah it's more of a peaceful time for me so yeah I just uh, I love soaking that up yeah Great thoughts, you guys. I mean, yeah, those of you listening, just an encouragement to you to not feel like, you know, it's very easy, I think, sometimes to feel like, oh, all is lost. I just wasted all this time. And I mean, who of us does not have times where we're just like, eh, that was a super meh season or whatever. But um, I always think of fall as a great reset season. And, um, you know, it might be a time to lean into relationships or find out what's going on in your church. A lot of new things start up at churches mm-hmm. in the fall. And so, yeah, be encouraged and then um, write us and tell us about it. I think that'd be really fun to kind of share our experiences and kind of walk into this next season together. So thanks, guys. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. It's been fun. Well, folks, we are here uh, today with a culture segment, and we get to introduce to you our friend Sam Black. He is uh, actually a number of things, different roles. He is a director with Covenant Eyes, uh, as well as being a former journalist. He's an author, a speaker, and in fact, today we're going to be talking about one of his books titled The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It. So Sam, welcome to The Boundless Show. Lisa, thank you so much. I know we're going to have an awesome conversation today. Looking forward to it. Sure thing. Well, start off because, I mean, I think people know generally or they've heard of Covenant Eyes, but just give us a little refresher on what the ministry does and why it's so practically applied to what's going on in this space today. Yes, thank you. Covenant Eyes provides software and content to help people stop using pornography for good or never start. We you may have heard of filtering that blocks content. We do that as well. But we are really aimed toward the the accountability software. What I do on my phones, tablets, and computers, it's actually the software allows me that to be communicated to friends, what we call allies, someone who has my best interest in mind, who knows my goals, who knows that of my struggles, who knows what I want to accomplish in finding real freedom and living in freedom. And so they get to receive a report of what I'm doing on my phone, tablets, computers that actually captures the screen. And so I, we can have an ongoing conversation because the opposite of struggle and addiction and strongholds is community and fellowship and relationship. And so that's where we believe that the real strength comes from, to be able to confess our sins to one another, pray for one another, and live in community with one another. And so we provide a lot of educational resources. So a brand new app that you can download for free is called the Victory App by Covenant Eyes. There's more than 30 courses in there that help people understand why pornography might have such a pull on you and how you can really begin opening up and living in freedom there. 
Yeah. Well, we will definitely dive into that a little bit more um, in a bit here. But I want to talk about, since we're talking about the healing church today, and again, it's what churches get wrong about pornography and how to fix it. Um, I, I know the book was inspired a bit because of a conference that you attended. Can you tell us about that and what actually surprised you about your presence there and, and kind of who showed up? Well, it was sort of a reoccurring theme where um, some ministry leaders were had asked me to come and speak uh, to talk about how pornography, why does pornography so impactful on people? Why do they seem to struggle so much? And they were leaning forward because they were missing some of the basic understandings of why people get stuck, why they often stay stuck without help, and how the church truly holds the answers to living in complete and total freedom through Christ. And so we often told Uh, that pornography is wrong. We're not missing that point at all very much in the church, but we are often misguided about why people have this stronghold in their life and how it can be so difficult for someone to begin breaking free and how the church can really help. So that was really my impetus that so many of them just seem to gravitate toward, well, if you love God, you wouldn't use pornography. If you had the power of the Holy Spirit, you wouldn't use pornography. But there's something else going on, and I think it's worth helping pastors and ministry leaders with some empathy to understand this on a, on a higher level. Sure. I think it would really be helpful for us, and this seems kind of weird because it's not like, you know, porn is foreign to our culture, and certainly with an audience of young adults here, uh, mm-hmm. many of us know what we're wading into as far as topically here. But but get us back to the beginning. Give us a little primer on if you had to define porn. I mean, I think a lot of people are just like, oh, yeah, you know, looking at websites or whatever. They tend to put a pretty tactical label on it. But how would you define mm-hmm. porn for the person who's like, Am I, am I not, what, you know, is this a problem for me, whatever, maybe not, it's not as bad as someone else or whatever, but just give us this idea of what are we actually talking about today and the prevalence of this problem, even among Christian young adults. Mm. So often we want to qualify what we're watching isn't quite as bad as what somebody else is doing, or at least I'm not doing that, right? Mm -hmm. And I think it's imperative that we really, uh, look at what is pornography from a, a couple of different viewpoints. One, where there are statistics and things like that, and so people are asked, are you viewing pornography, or how when's the last time you viewed pornography? And that, that covers a pretty broad spectrum. It's very individualized. But I think for us as Christians, we need to think about this from what did Jesus say? And Jesus said, if you look on another with lust, if you're objectifying someone else for your personal gratification— then that is adultery in your heart. And so Jesus is very concerned about what is in our heart. And so what is it for us as an individual person? What do we see? How do we objectify others? How do we use uh, images or what have you, video, television shows, magazines, etc.? What are we using in objectifying someone else? for our own personal gratification. Well, that's porn to you. And so we don't want to just define, okay, well, I can use this, and that's okay. But we want to follow Christ. And so whether, you know, I've, I've been to events where someone was looking at, they said, well, my pornography was actually looking at underwear ads. Well, to them, that was pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like your uh, I like attaching that to what scripture says about lust and really a misappropriation, which ends up being idolatry of um, needing something of putting something above the preeminence of Christ and his lordship in our Mm -hmm. own life. And we we all go to substitutes. I mean, let's just be honest here. And the reason idols uh, are so prevalent is because they actually work for a time. Okay, so I mean, they do provide something. And so I I like the fact that you are normalizing this in the sense of this isn't just some corner thing where people who are especially far from the Lord fall prey to this or whatever. This is just the enemy roaming about and doing what the enemy does. And so I I really appreciate you putting putting light on that in that sense. Um, In the book, you actually quote Jessica Harris, who we've had on The Boundless Show, and she's written for us at Boundless. 
uh, as her saying, pornography doesn't stop. It lives in your head. And basically saying you can take alcohol away from an alcoholic. You can take drugs away from a druggie, but you cannot take pornography away from a porn addict. Uh, It stays with you until you kick it out yourself. And so I think I, I feel like when we talk about this in the church, there's this idea we talk generally about the struggle and, oh, it's just like, well, this is so tough. And if God wanted me really to stop, he would take this away. Why isn't God stepping in? Uh, talk to us. I'd love you, for you to start talking a little bit, Sam, about the role of the church in this and how community, you alluded to it before, how community is mm-hmm. so key because it's counterintuitive. This idea of authenticity, the last thing we want to do is bring stuff like this to the light. And we think that even talking about intimacy and important relationships seems weird because we're like, well, intimacy, isn't that kind of some weird sexual thing or that's trying to get something out of this that we shouldn't be getting out of it? So talk to us about how even in a counterintuitive state, we have got to lean into relationships in an important way. Lisa, that's so good. Thank you. You know, so often in the church, we just sort of picture a a man or a woman who's suddenly confronted with pornography or an image on their screen or a billboard or on the television, and suddenly they just need to make the right choice. And what we're missing is that often many men and women are facing, and teens are facing a 500-pound gorilla on their back because there are three major components that are so common for people who are struggling with a stronghold of pornography especially, but maybe on many other levels as well and and different degrees of their struggle. And that is first, early exposure. You know, before the iPad or the iPhone came out in 2007, we still had the iPad or the iPod, I should say. And we have been carrying around with us in our pockets the largest library of pornography ever created in the history of mankind And it's been so few restrictions, and it's had such an impact. And that early exposure is such a big deal. Most adults, most teens, older teens, can tell you a story about the first time that they were exposed to pornography, even though they can't remember anything else about that day. And that's because pornography is so impactful on that young brain, a young brain that has a, a, a brain that is the feeling part of it is growing very well. But the prefrontal cortex, the decision-making part of the brain, is lagging behind. And dopamine kicks off, and it focuses that attention. Uh, Dopamine loves something new, and it can focus your attention to the point of tunnel vision. Uh, Also, pornography today is very shocking. It's very debasing. So often children are going from, I don't know anything about pornography, to hardcore, demeaning pornography. And so that norepinephrine that also says you with fight or flight, is helping burning those memories into the brain. That's why, again, uh, teens and adults can tell you a story about the first time they were exposed to pornography. Now, the second part of that is that repetition. And we know that teens and adolescents are among the most prolific users of pornography. So they've been practicing this for a long while. And then often there's some drama or some pain that's happened in their life. And they have learned to associate that I feel anger, frustration, fear, lack of self-worth. When I act out with pornography, I use this as an escape. And almost on a subconscious level, it becomes an overwhelming stronghold. And so as an adult or a young adult, we're trying to say, hey, just stop this. And we see over and over again that they're failing in because they're not, they're trying to fight this on their own. And so we need the body of Christ with a safe place and a safe process to begin addressing this issue together. You know, one of the foundational principles of the Christian faith is to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another that we may be healed. That's James 5.16. In small churches, we often hear, well, you know, we know each other pretty well, and it's really hard to be that kind of vulnerable with one another. And in large churches, I hear people say, well, uh, you know, I attend a church of 5,000 or 10,000 people, and it's really hard to find someone that I can have as my covenantized ally uh, to receive a report of what I'm doing online, to really dive into why am I struggling? What, what's going on on a deeper level? And so I can't really confess to what I'm doing because it's, I'm not connected enough. So it's not the size of the church that's the problem. 
it's we need to ask ourselves what part of genes 516 do we not believe sure Okay, so, but to kind of go uh, with that, I do have a question here, because I think if we Mm -hmm. enter into the space of where we're talking about the church, which obviously is the subject of the book, what, okay, what's your advice then for a young adult who's like, absolutely, I know I need this, I know I want to go after this, but, you know, clearly we're not going to have some, you know, someone in our audience. (laughs) <laughs> walk up to the welcome desk in their church narthex and be like, hey, anyway, so let, uh, is there somewhere that I can go talk about porn? Um, you know, it, it's just very awkward. And I find that so many churches, and I think that's what you're trying to say here um, with with the book, is that a lot of churches, I mean, it, it kind of runs the gamut from, oh, you know, the Christians in our sphere, we don't, that's not a problem in our church to, oh, okay, well, we're going to outsource you to something else. They're not seeing the value in the role of the church church in this, um, in providing that safe space. So what can a, a young adult, say someone who's listening here, Sam, do in the space of their Christian community to kind of find that community and that care? And maybe if they're the person that has to raise the flag and say this has to happen, how do they go about introducing that in their own uh, worship community? Yes, thank you, Lisa. I think one of the things that they can do first is to gain some understanding. Why does this seem to be such a struggle in my life, and why have it? Why do I keep coming back to it? And so, having some understanding will be a great starting point. And that's really the reason we created the Victory app by Covenant Eyes. There's more than thirty courses in there that really help people understand the underlying issues. And once you do that, we also provide a guide in there of how do I find an ally? How can I reach out to others? And when we share that, knowledge precedes understanding, and understanding precedes change. So as we're getting a greater understanding in ourselves, we can share that knowledge with others and reach out and maybe ask them just some basic probing questions. Is this person, how is this person reacting to, man, there are some really deep struggles in our culture about pornography, even in the church. How do you feel about that? And you'll begin to uncover whether someone is safe, be an ally and a friend, or maybe they're not so safe. Maybe they're very condemning. And so with a few probing questions, you can begin developing a relationship where you can become really honest. And I, that authenticity builds an intimate connection that, that is contagious and empowering. And so with a safe person and a safe place, people can, again, people can hear that you're a person, not a problem, and your identity is found in Christ and not in your sin. That's the kind of person that you're looking for. And I know you also mention, um, yeah, that's so that's good. And and it really is an encouragement, as we all need to do, to really be seen and be known in our own churches. And, you know, mm-hmm. no one no one wants to do that necessarily by like, you know, hey, here's my number one sin struggle and I'm going to lead with this. But at the same time, it's such a great motivation to say, this is why we need the body of Christ. Okay, so that said, I want you to get personal here because I know that your story uh, plays into this and the, the journey that you have walked. And I want you to talk specifically of how transformation itself. And I mean, the work of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, again, this isn't just tips and tactics. This isn't pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. Tell us your story, Sam, and how you saw transformation in it and how that can encourage those who are listening, who are probably a few steps behind you. Uh, thank you. You know, I was 10 years old when I, when I was first exposed to pornography. In fact, I remember coming out of my home in Florida where my brother that was 10 years older than me that was looking at a magazine sideways, and he was standing there with his friend, and that didn't make any sense to me. How could they look read a magazine sideways? And I said, what are you guys looking at? And they immediately turned it around, and his friend says, well, you don't want to miss the good part, and he unfolds it. But I didn't, even at 10 years old, understand the basic mechanics of sex. I didn't know what he was talking about. And though I was raised in a Christian home, I was naturally curious and stepped forward. I didn't step away. I was not prepared for even that moment there. And I had a friend, and his dad had pornography that was falling out of his closet. If you can, It looked a little like a waterfall. If you can picture a normal closet with a shelf up top, 
and there's stacks of pornography that are falling over, and there's a pile of it on the floor. I could take anything I wanted, and I did. But the third component of this is we talked about early exposure, the repetition, and the drama that happens, that often happens young in life. I also came from a violent home, one that was hypocritically violent as also being a Christian home. And so when I would feel fear, anger, frustration, uh, I didn't feel la- lack of self-worth, I could run to pornography. And that would, pornography would follow me from middle school to high school to college and into my marriage. And I may be among the most fortunate men <laughs> you will meet because, you know, in my early marriage, my wife came to Christ through my sister. And uh, by this time, I've become agnostic. So she asked if I'll go with her, and uh, we started attending a, a marriage class together. And this, these were the strangest Christians I ever met, because they would turn and close the door, look at the class with a big smile, and say, this is a safe place. What is said here stays here. And within that environment, I also learned that pornography could be addictive and compulsive, and that was a great relief to me, because that meant evolution to make me this way from a secular point of view, that God didn't make me this way from a spiritual point of view, and I didn't have to stay this way. And with help and support from other men, I got to learn to live in freedom. And it took a journey. It didn't come to me overnight. I got to learn and grow and understand so much more about myself and why pornography could draw me in so much. Let me give you a crazy example. And I do talk about this in the book, The Healing Church. I remember when I was 12 years old, and I'm with my dad, and we're in in a shed in our home in Florida, and there's a ragged hemp rope that's been tossed on the floor. And this rope has been in the back of a pickup truck, and in Florida it rains on, on the morning or in the afternoon, and then it sunshines, and it's a rain and sunshine kind of thing that just continues. And so this this hemp rope had just been baked into being disfigured. And he asked me to roll it up. And I picked it up, and I began going from hand to elbow and hand to elbow. And he says, no, 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 don't do that. I want you to do it hand over hand. And that's sort of where you're looping it from hand over hand. But this rope would twist and turn. And so every time it would turn or twist, he would hit me, whether he hit me in the back or the face or the head, etc. And I would panic, and I would begin rope right taking that rope around my hand and elbow again, and I'd get, of course, got hit more. So as a teen or young adult, I would roll up an extension cord or a rope or something that in my, in my own garage or in my own life, and I would fall back in time to that moment as a 12-year-old. And I wasn't just remembering it. I would relive it. And so that trauma was so impactful. And I might think of other ways that I could have changed that outcome or what, what have you. When I would never tell that story to anyone because it was too shameful that you would think less of me if you knew that I came from a violent home. And so with men in the church, through supportive relationships, I got to tell that story for the first time and unpack that and understand that I didn't deserve those wounds and how I could release that to Christ. I didn't have to carry that burden. I didn't have to fall back in time every time that that memory or every time I would coil an extension cord or rope. And I would learn with brothers in Christ to actually sing <laughs> as I would coil a rope. It would say, like, of deep the Father's love for us, right, as I'm coiling a rope, and it was a good beat to keep it to. And I would get to release that pain, and as I grew more and more with my brothers in Christ through that understanding— When I would feel temptations about pornography, I could simply be curious. Why do I feel that way? Why am I being drawn to that? And as I unpacked that and as I would call a friend and we would talk about it, then I became more empowered to make right choices, to seek my Father in heaven and seek his will in my life, to no longer run to an idol, but run to Christ and his empowering spirit in my life. This is how we become, we go on a journey. 
and begin learning to live in freedom. That's what we can also do with our brothers and sisters in Christ in the church. Yeah. So true. Well, thanks for sharing your own story, because I think that's so helpful for the person who feels alone in this or feels like they haven't been heard in their church. Um, And of course, I want to mention the book again, uh, because we have been talking about that. And it might be, you know, just my encouragement to you, listener, is you might feel like you're in a church and they don't get it, or you've tried to reach out or you've tried to seed a couple questions and you feel like there's maybe, um, as our own counselor, Jeremy Keaton says, who he endorsed uh, Sam's book, and he talks about, you know, we want the church to be a healing rather than a harming church. And so um, we want to make sure that you're having the right conversations in your church. And so this book, again, The Healing Church, What Churches Get Wrong About Pornography and How to Fix It, we want to make available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. Um, And you can do that by uh, going to our site, to boundless.org, search for 811. That's this week's episode. You give a gift to Boundless, we'll send you a copy of the book, and hopefully it'll be very instructive for you. Um, I also want you to know that we have, as we often mention here on the show, our own counseling department here at Focus on the Family and at Boundless. And you can go to uh, call the number 800-A-FAMILY or go to focusonthefamily.com slash get help and uh, get a counseling, um, basically a consultation, and they'll give you some advice and care, a listening ear, and then possibly a referral even to a counselor in your area for continued uh, care in that area. So, uh, Sam, thanks again for writing the book, for walking out this journey, and for being an encouragement to others. Lisa, what an honor to be here with you today. Thank you. Oh, I love to hear the song of creation, the wind and the rhythm of the rain. Oh, the thunder, it speaks of your power, but there's something in the sound of the saints. I've been washed in the roar of the ocean. Found peace in the echoes of a cave And the trees of the field, they clap their hands But there's something in the sound of the saints From the lips of those you saved A redemption song will rise With a sound so full it cracks the sky Well, folks, we are here with our inbox, and you know if you've been listening for a while that we love it when someone from our counseling department can come down and answer your questions, and they are all licensed professional counselors, uh, Christian counselors, and have a wealth of experience uh, in this space, and so... Uh, We have got our dear friend, Tim Sanford. Tim, great to have you. And it's great to be back again. All right. Okay, well, this listener is asking, or they're saying, I hate this about myself, but whenever I get too stressed about something, whether it's money, homework, or relationships, I find myself falling into a full-blown panic attack. How do I make this stop? Well, first, Lisa, let me do a little bit of background here. We don't know if this has been officially diagnosed as a panic attack because there are those things. Is she just freaking out or he? Or is this an anxiety attack, which is a different kind of thing altogether? So um, don't just automatically assume that this fits you. I'm going to go off the place of an actual panic attack. And this question is very, very common for those who really do have legitimate panic attacks. Mm -hmm. And panic attacks are a really strange creature. Uh, Think of it as, and this is how I explain it, think of it as a bad roller coaster ride. Once that bar comes down, ka-chink, over your, you know, your lap, and the car begins to move, you're stuck for the ride. So in a sense, when a panic attack starts, you cannot stop the panic attack in the moment. I mean, you can make it go longer and worse by panicking about the panic, and a lot of people do, but you can't stop it once it actually starts. Now, two things we know for sure, though. Number one, nobody has ever died from a panic attack, so you will not die. Number two, it will end. 
some time. And so basically what you do is once that bar comes down across your lap and the roller coaster starts, you just hang on and as much as is possible, easier said than done for this one, is try to breathe slow, deep breaths. That'll help the panic attack be the least lengthy time until the roller coaster ride is over. That's all you can do in the moment. Hmm. Okay. Now, there's some other things we can do, not in the moment, but she's wanting to know, I hate this because when I get into a panic attack, I just go, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just have to ride it out. That's all you can do in the moment. Mm-hmm. Now, once you're out of the panic attack, panic attacks are based on a background of an anxiety disorder of some sort. And she mentions, I'm pretty much clued in, I get stressed when things like money, homework, relationships, and I get stressed about those things. So the encouragement here is actually start either with a a friend or with a clinician who understands anxiety issues and get at that, okay, what is the stressing me? What am I worried about? And anxiety is always in some form of a what-if sentence. What if I don't have enough money? What if friends don't like me? What if, what if, what if, what if lions, tigers, and bears? Oh, my. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the, pan- that's the thinking behind anxiety. Is there some perfectionism here, too? I don't know. I don't want to jump to conclusions. So with a clinician doing some reading, um, some journaling, try to get at what's my generalized anxiety because what happens is that anxiety kind of festers, and then the panic attack comes into full-blown, almost like an ambush, The poof, here it comes with the physiological sensations, and now I'm on the roller coaster ride. So there is help as you deal with the anxiety, and that gets settled out, and you have alternatives to how to deal with that, then slowly but surely, the body won't go into that panic attack roller coaster ride as often or at all. Okay. That's good. And I'm glad you delineated the fact that there are some things like that you can identify as triggers. There are things that you can work on. There are underlying issues that, you know, eventually it's not like, hey, just ride this out the rest of your life. This is never going to get better. This is sorry, you just pulled a short straw. So, I mean, that is encouraging to know that once you've ID'd it, you know, you can kind of move in a in a positive direction. But I like what you said about find a clinician, get someone who yes. actually knows what they're talking about. Because you can reduce or eliminate the panic attacks, not once it starts, but preemptively yeah. doing the background work. Yeah, great thoughts. Thank you so much, Tim, for that encouragement. That's good. Okay, folks, well, that is it for this week's show. Um, As always, we do want to hear from you. And you know, from time to time, I ask you as a podcast listener to hop over uh, to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, especially now as we are heading into our 25th anniversary. We're super excited about that. Only a couple weeks away, in fact. And so you can celebrate with us and maybe go ahead and leave a review uh, on Apple Podcasts about what the show has meant to you and introduce some new folks to the fun show that you found. In the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show. The Boundless Show is a production of Boundless.org. Focus on the family. It can be challenging to inspire your community to see life the way God sees it. So what's the solution? Well, on June 15th, Focus on the Family is hosting Sea Life 24. And no matter where you are or who you are, you can be a part of this free event with speakers like Ben and Kirsten Watson and real stories about choosing life. Sea Life 24 will inspire you to translate your faith into action. Register today at sealife24.org.